Good morning, Gospel Life. This is Pastor Eric coming to you live from my super secret bunker high in the Himalayan mountains. Okay, not really. It's my office again. I'm home trying to uh, maintain social distancing. My wife won't listen, though. Uh, that just happens, such as life. But welcome. Awesome to see you all, so to speak. Awesome to watch you rolling in. Awesome to watch... Uh, just got at work these days. It seems like it's kind of hard to do that sometimes because there's just such a ridiculous amount of negativity that surrounds just feels like everything. But God's glory is still out there. God's still good. God's still working in the lives of his children. And, and God will continue to do that until the world is no more. And then we will finally be back home with Jesus. So, uh, just again, welcome. Good to see you all. I just want to talk briefly about uh, just some introductions, some things. I want to thank everybody for uh, what was going on <clears throat> for Thanksgiving. Sorry, I just was looking at the timer there. <laughs> all right, Ron, today is November 29th. You're, you're in the right spot. You're in the right spot, believe it or not. Who knew? Who knew? But you're here. So anyway, going back to Thanksgiving, thanks for everyone for all their hard work. Just thanks to all those in the community that participated and just thanks that uh, the Lord is good and he's allowed us to do that. I love our community of Genoa. Uh, you might have heard me say this before, but uh, I'll say it again because I never get tired of saying it, that uh, Genoa reminds me a little bit of Mayberry from the Andy Griffith show. It's a small town, and I feel like it has the opportunity to know one another, to love one another, to build one another up. And having that Thanksgiving event, I feel, is exactly just that. It's the bringing together of all different people within the community. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful event. And a good time usually is had by all. And so I know I had a good time, and I didn't hear anybody have a bad time. So obviously, must be good. And the food was good. And we even got stuffing. Some people were kind of upset that there wasn't stuffing in the beginning. But hey, we got stuffing. So either way, that's neither here nor there. Just praise the Lord that that's an event that we were still able to do, uh, regardless of the uncertainty that we have in this pandemic and the coronavirus and social distancing and health and wellness. So we're also, praise be to God, get to be part of the Christmas parade, get to keep the Christ in Christmas. I thank my brothers, uh, Ron and Larry, who are helping work on this this year. And I also want to thank uh, Lizzie and her friend, um, oh gosh, I forgot her name. I'm a terrible person. Uh, Sydney, Sydney, for volunteering to ride the float for five miles around town. It's definitely uh, hard with children, even though we like to have all the little children. Five miles outside in December is not wise for little children. They could get tired of that fast. So I'm really glad that we can still be a part of that, despite, uh, again, these uncertainties, if you will, of what's going on uh, in the world, because there's clearly no you know, festival that surrounds it. So at least we still get to have a float that you know, represents our Lord and Savior Jesus and, and his birth and the real meaning behind Christmas. So I'm always excited about that. Uh, future plans, I've got like a listful, even though it's not here, I've got a listful of future plans. But the problem is, is that it's uncertain what these plans could possibly look like. Uh, you know, in the midst of this, fellowship is definitely super important, but at the same time, uh, we're limited. I don't want to hurt anybody. You know, it's loving our neighbor, uh, just being responsible and caring for one another, even though we don't know one another, still be like, yeah, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. So praise the Lord for that. But it's uncertain. It's all uncertain. And so in 2020, as we've talked about countless times, it's definitely uncertain. You have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring, whether we're going to be in highs or lows. Is this going to be open? Am I going to be able to get a haircut? I don't know. I don't know. So get your haircuts now while you can. No, I'm kidding. Either way, um, 
it's that uncertainty that we just really don't know what to do and we can make plans and we can move forward but because of that uncertainty uh you know we need to remain flexible and have you know the ability to roll with the punches if you will and it's because of that uncertainty that i want or i i wanted to start the gospel of luke because it's about the certainty of the good news the gospel of what jesus has done the reality of this life when he came here you know his his birth his life his ministry his death his burial his resurrection all those combined together for the certainty of the good news and when we start this and we're only doing the first four verses today uh we can see that undertaking for truth and certainty that was had by luke in this process to ensure that this is something that would you know stand the test of time end up in the canon of scripture be part of new testament be one of the four gospels just again the certainty of the good news in christ and so in these uncertain times i want us to be certain that jesus is real jesus is here jesus is working within our church as well as within the community as well as within the state as well as within the country as well as within the world and that he has not abandoned us in the slightest and it's the certainty of the gospel this this truth this belief that we can hold on to in these uncertain times that we're living in in 2020 going into 2021 um it's definitely a year that no one will forget it's definitely a year that's going to be in the history books and i'm sure if we were to uh, you know, much like the gospel, write down what was going on in 2020 in each of our lives and some of the crazy circumstances that have happened uh, in our lives. We might look at it like, did that really happen? But the truth of the matter is it did, and you lived it, and it's your testimony. So praise be to God that in the midst of uncertainty, we can still have certainty that he is good and that he it will never forsake us. And even if we look into last week's sermon and his steadfast love and his covenant commitment, we can rest on those promises of God and that certainty in our lives so that regardless of the uncertainty of our walking, we have the certainty of God in our lives and the scriptures and, of course, the gospel and all that that entails from, you know, um, justification redemption election salvation glorification uh adoption the list goes on and on all these things are spiritual truths and realities so let's pray because that's what i like doing because i love worshiping jesus so and let's get into the word because i'm excited i'm always excited i love talking about jesus in case you guys haven't figured this out yet uh, I've always been that way since like eight eight years ago. I've been a little sheepish about it, but I get excited about it because there it really like is nothing better. There's nothing more exciting to me. And praise the Lord that that's been a change in my life. And I just hope that that can impact you all in some certain way. So, dear Heavenly Father, uh, we just come as as broken people, as your church, to come to worship you, to honor you, to glorify your name. And so, Lord, in these uncertain times, I want you to instill within us the certainty of your truth and your word and your mission and your purpose for our lives, and that everything that's happening happens for a reason. And so, Lord, uh, we just give you the thanksgiving again that your certainty of the gospel is what carries us forward because sometimes i know for some of us it's hard to get out of bed we have no idea what we're doing why we're here things change we're uncomfortable uh, we're frustrated um, the list goes on and on lord uh, each of our hearts will sing that to you but lord again in in all of this um, you are the one who has created the world and we want to rejoice in you this morning so tune our hearts and our minds to your will allow us the opportunity to uh, sing your praises not just this morning but as the day goes on and into the week and keep continuing to give us gentle reminders of your love and grace in our lives 
So all this I pray in our Lord and Savior Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, starts like this. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Okay, so we're starting a gospel. All right, well, it's only four verses. It's one sentence. If you really break this down, it's only one sentence. And that's just how he starts. But I want you to know and to understand that Luke's style of writing follows the cultural standards of writing far more than the other gospel authors have followed um, when they wrote and they started their gospels. Um, if you were to go back and look at any of the historians, uh, Philo, Josephus, Lucian, um, even Luke could be considered a historian for writing this gospel. But if you go back to, to that writing of the first century, we see this, that he explains why he writes what he's writing. And so we can get the general gist of what this entire gospel, the entire, what is it, 26 chapters, 25 chapters? Uh, I forgot. Again, I'm all, you know, there's a lot. But either way, all those chapters are summed up in the one sentence, which is verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things you, that you have been taught. And so this style of writing, while it's, you know, definitely like the older style. I, I just want you to appreciate how God calls and has called each of the writers through the Holy Spirit to start off their Gospels. So each of them naturally have a different background, just like all of us have a different background. All of us have different, uh, you know, a, a different circumstance and a situation to life that, that brought us. If you were to start in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, you see this entire long list of names, uh, the genealogy, and it says it's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you don't get to the main idea till verse 21, where he's like, they shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. And then the entire rest of the Gospel is how Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. And then you get to Mark, and in, and in Mark, because he's a really excited guy, a little bit like me sometimes, uh, that he's like, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Boom, done, let's go, let's roll. And like within the first chapter, you've already gone through his life, his death, his burial, his resume. No, I'm kidding. Uh, either way, <laughs> but he, he still continues to go through that in a, in a very fast, fast-paced method. Luke, we, we're starting off here. And, and you see how it is, and this is, again, this, this genuine cultural historian type of introduction and beginning. And then you have the Gospel of John, which stands off a little bit different. It's not synoptic like the rest of them uh, in, in their, you know, format and structure. It's in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he starts off in these high spiritual and philosophical ways, and he doesn't get to his main point until uh, verse 14 in that. But this genre of, of gospel, the, the similarities that you see, because we see all the different styles in the writing, and you see that how Luke is explaining his work and how... You know, he actually, if you were to go to Acts too, he would mention Theophilus in Acts as well because he wrote two books and he wrote these two books together. And so writing those two books together, seeing the purpose, writing for someone, it's important to note too that this isn't written in a vacuum. It's not like it just magically showed up one day. Like these are people writing to people, just like Paul's letters are to real churches written across you know, a different place. We we went and gone through Colossians, and and I don't know if you remember this or not, but Colossians to me seemed very similar to to Genoa in a sense, because it's a small farming community. Uh, there were bigger towns of Hierapolis and um, 
another one close by that kind of dwarf you know what Genoa is and what they've done but the church there is still just as important and so this gospel and these writings and seeing that uh, again it's written to real people we can we can appreciate that we can appreciate that as human beings because we're all different and we can all take different things from this and so one of the reasons why i like luke is his attention to detail you know he it says in colossians chapter 4 verse 14 luke the beloved physician so we're under the assumption that this luke was a physician at the time too so he was a healer of sorts uh he was also uh, a preacher because if you go to acts chapter 16 uh, that's where it no longer is just Paul and you know Barnabas going together or Paul and, and Timothy going together that becomes we so we so he picks up in that part of the journey too and what's important about him picking up is that they were going to ministry and it says that they were called to Macedonia in order to preach the gospel to them so having been with Jesus having researched this uh, again, this genre of gospel is about a person, <laughs> Jesus Christ, and their ministry, what their life and what had happened, what had been done. It contains theology, which of course all of scripture does, as well as history. In fact, it would be labeled a historical narrative. Um, not only is it theology and history, it's instruction, edification, if you will, as well as exhortation, correction. Uh, we know also from scripture that it's all breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And that's exactly what this gospel is. It's to inform us of the nature, the character of God, God's plan of redemption, as well as so much more that, that Jesus has come to fulfill in the Old Testament. Um, we talk about Jesus being, you know, the, the Messiah in prophecy. We talk about Jesus being the Messiah or the Christ in word. We talk about Jesus being the Messiah and Christ in deed, in his actions. And, and it just goes on and on from there and continues to expand. So, a gospel, the person of Christ and his ministry containing theology and history to instruct and exhort us. And so we know the author, even though there's some speculations, we know the author to be Luke, and he probably wrote this in the early 60s, considering how he wrote Acts and the last um, time interval of what happened in Acts was roughly 62 AD. What does that mean? <clears throat> Not much other than it's fresh and that he's researched it and again as this had started out and we'll talk about in a minute eyewitnesses and ministers of the word like again luke has gone through great detail and great pains to go and to have interviews and to talk but the audience this is this is really important i want you to to think about this the audience is it is it jews is it greeks is it somewhere in between? Is it usually both? Like, who ultimately is Luke writing this to? And we see this name Theophilus in here. And sure, he's writing to this gentleman, Theophilus. And can we decipher, based on this gentleman's name, whether or not he's a Jew, whether or not he's a Greek, whether or not they grew up in the Jewish you know, tradition and religion, or whether or not they're just starting off, they're a Gentile grafted in, if you will, and they're starting off, um, you know, this, these new churches, and they're like, man, we're taking tons of opposition. What is going on here? None of this makes any sense. We're going to get back to Theophilus in a minute, but I want to tell you one of the coolest things that, uh, like, God does, and, and in names, it, it's, it's very neat. So this gentleman, Theophilus, um, Luke writes that, I want to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. And so, Theophilus literally means a lover of God. Now, read that sentence again. Uh, sometimes past, write an orderly account for you, most excellent lover of God, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. So, is it in a time warp? Is it 2,000 years ago? Is he writing specifically to Jews? Is he writing specifically to Greeks, Gentiles? Or is he writing to the church? 
is she writing to you and me in a sense and based on what theophilus means because theo meaning god and philos which phileo if we know is love philos is the lover of that situation of love so god lover is how that would literally translate so lover of god which is us right like we're lovers of god in today's day and age we, we, we worship him we praise him we thank him um you know we might have other emotions with them most definitely but think about the pluralism of luke's time and also the pluralism of our time too and that's why i bring up that that lover of god because god is a, a misconception if you will uh in today's world because all roads lead to god is what our culture really says and imagine then the plurality of you know the greeks and the romans and you know the bales that were there at the time that each of them had a specific purpose and a mission and those gods each one of them needed to be worshipped for something specifically but <clears throat> that's not what luke gets at here and especially when you look back at, at the old ways like this was new like it's it's such a role reversal because christianity was new it was it, it was the I don't know what you call it. It was the bad boy. It was the rebel, if you will, of 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 religion. Because now there's just one God. There's not fifty gods for every need for every day. There's just one God who who does everything. And then even today, we we can still translate that again. That while we are not the the rebels or whatever, we've we've become so institutionalized and so deadened to the gospel in itself that we don't appreciate jesus and worship jesus for who he is we say god a lot of times even myself i say god a lot of times and depending on who you're talking to that means something completely completely different which is why i try to say jesus as much as possible because he is the way the truth and the life and i've come to know that and appreciate that through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of his word in my life. And I'm confident that that's where you're all at too, in some regard. So, is the gospel's claim to exclusivity something that can be sustained in our world of instant communication, pluralism, and subjective truth? Do all paths lead to God? And Luke lays that out for us in the certainty of his gospel, uh, you know, over the course of all the chapters, that Jesus is exclusive. When we talk about God, it needs to be Jesus. It needs to be specific. It can't be just up in the air. And no, not all roads lead to heaven. Um, I, I, I don't even understand, honestly, how that works. Um, but that that's out there in this world today right like how 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 does that you know how how do you justify in your mind being good enough most of religion is all about you and working and trying to get to that status of god to earn your righteousness if you will and again i i don't know how you would ever justify or weigh that my good works are outweighing my bad works. It just, it, it doesn't work out. Like, I know my thoughts throughout the day sometimes. I know how frustrated I can be with people, places, and things. I know that when I stub my toe on the corner of the bed, I let out a mighty swear. And, you know, that's just brokenness. That's the sin of man. And, and that's where we're at. And so how, when I'm constantly wrestling, is one ever going to outweigh another? And that really is why the promise was rest on grace. Rest on grace, which is the unmerited favor of God. That's the only way that man is ever going to have blessed assurance that he is saved. Because if it's all about you and your works and what you've done and the pluralism and all these different gods and all these different ways to worship and I don't have to do this, I don't have to do right, I don't, you know, the rights, the, the you know, it, it, there's so much in there, right? But that's, yeah, now I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. I was thinking down a deep, dark path. It happens sometimes. But I, I love this. 
because Jesus and, and Luke, the way he starts this, the certainty of the good news and the undertaking for his, his truth and certainty in this. And so point one comes from verse one. Um, and that's things that have been accomplished among us. So it just says very much, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. So there's clearly been efforts made. And you think about that two in today's day and age because a gospel is about a person and his ministry right and so it's not a biography in the sense that we're going to encapsulate everything that's going on in this person's life from the birth to you know death and everything else to write this this is mostly that the story and the vision of again what jesus has done or the person of jesus and god's work through him to deliver humanity and that takes center stage in this entire gospel and where he's going it's the things that have been accomplished among us and many people have of course wanted to write about this because they were witnesses of some of these events you know you think about all the parables and everything that that goes on in the gospel and Jesus is teaching um, you know all, all the different stages you think about his Galilean ministry the ministry in Jerusalem uh, you know the ministries in between what happens after the resurrection and then we can get into the book of Acts what happens to the church after that and so this is not surprising in any means that many have undertaken to compile a narrative uh, what he's ultimately saying here is that he documents Christ's life because there have been many people who have tried and you know talked about this and witnessed these things with their own eyeballs I know that we all have witnessed things, but I don't want to go too far into the next point, but these things that have been accomplished among us, what, what ultimately is saying is the, the life and death of Jesus and everything that happened in between, you know, the birth, the life, the death. And he documents Christ's life from before his birth, which is something that no other gospel does, uh, through his ministry and then death and resurrection. You know, going through this whole book, we see, you know, there's definitely more compassion in Luke and definitely much more emphasis on the poor and the outcast, the widow and the orphan, those who are downtrodden, those who, you know, know aren't parts of a normal society or a regular society. And so the strong emphasis on discipleship and care of the poor and the orphan and the widow and just people in general this really is a love the lord your god because jesus is god pay attention is what luke's saying and then love your neighbor as yourself and you're called to be part of a church and you're called to belong you're called to be part of god's kingdom and you're called to be part of something much greater than yourself in fact, true Christianity is dying to self and living for Christ. As impossible as that sounds, it's still something that happens. And, and it happens on a day-to-day -day basis as we continue to be sanctified, as we continue to be made holy in, in Christ's likeness. And so uh, things that have been accomplished among us, you know, I, I, I said this a little bit before too, like we see Jesus as the fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament. We see Jesus as Messiah from the Word. We see Jesus as Messiah from his deeds, his actions, what he was able to accomplish, and that he fulfilled and carried out his purpose that God had for him as Messiah to seek and to save the lost. That's what we're about, to seek and to save the lost, to be ambassadors for Christ, to reach out to others to be a witness to be the salt and the light i know you've heard all of this before it's not something that's new to any of us but it's something that we constantly need to be reminded as the world assaults us with its ridiculousness on what feels like a day-to-day -day basis these days so being uncertain we can definitely still have certainty and so Luke gives the fullest account of Christ's birth, even before he was born. And only Luke records the parables of the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son, which are probably the two most well-known uh, parables, the Prodigal Son and the Good Samaritan. But it's only in Luke, 
Only Luke recorded that. Again, Luke's attention to detail, being a physician, is, is what excites me about this. I'm, I'm big into that. I'm like, if you're going to do something, do it right or don't do it at all, which can be good or bad, can be sin too, because if it looks like perfection, but I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to do a good and complete job in anything that we do. And so not only are those, you know, <clears throat> included the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son as, as you know, probably the most popular parables, 30% of this gospel is not found anywhere else. So Luke has done his research on the things that have been accomplished among us, which is the person and character of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the nature of our holy God, and then the ministry that ensues through those two working. Praise the Lord for that, right? That's the things that have been accomplished among us. And now going on to point two, verse two and three, just to briefly talk about those. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some times past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent lover of God. Theophilus. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, eyewitnesses of the word. Again, this is something, I, I believe I, I talked about this back when we were talking about the Bible and how it's not written in a vacuum or a jar or anything like that. And, you know, that there are other eyewitnesses. And even Peter, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he says... For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And so... Again, mostly for the certainty point, understanding that, yes, there were eyewitnesses there. I keep thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, too, where Paul's like, yeah, and many of them have fallen asleep, but if you want, you know, there were 500 men that Jesus revealed himself to. Some of them have fallen asleep, meaning died, but there's plenty more that you can talk to and go verify that this isn't some joke. This isn't just something that I've pulled on you you know, in order to get you to worship this guy named Jesus. Like, no, it, it's it's reality. It has happened. And I, I would love all of us, you know, even myself included, to be able to live in this reality much more because we are eyewitnesses of the word, meaning Jesus, uh, in, in, in our lives. Do you remember the testimony series that we just finished up? That was awesome because you have all these different guys from all these different backgrounds telling you ultimately that Jesus is real and that Jesus changes lives. Praise the Lord. Like, and that ultimately is, is where I'm coming from in this section to be eyewitnesses of the word. You know it today just the same as they know it then. Did we walk with Jesus? No. But we have something better. Well, I don't know if I'd say better but we have the holy spirit like i would love to be with jesus right now but we have the holy spirit to know this truth it's a, the holy spirit's job to make us holy in a sense to sanctify us to reveal the son of god to us that we know that this is indeed the truth and that we know indeed that jesus is the way the truth and the life and we know that salvation can't be earned it is given freely by the grace of god and his mercy on our lives because we all deserve death but God intervenes and gives mercy, you know, to some, which is a miracle in itself. Because I wonder sometimes why God has anything to do with us whatsoever. Call me crazy, but seriously, like, even we all have bad days, right? <laughs> like, it just happens. So, the testimony series, the eyewitnesses of the word, and just those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, there, there were people, again, like, how does Luke get this story of John the Baptist without going and talking and communicating? And remember the traditions of, 
you know, culture back then that while they probably didn't write it all down, the oral tradition of storytelling continued. And that was a big part of the Jewish culture was the storytelling. And, and that is exactly where, again, Luke gets some of these stories, whereas the others don't get these stories. Maybe they didn't research it. But, you know, I love the Gospel of, of Matthew, too, in the sense that he was a Jew and he understood what the Messiah was going to look like. And then ultimately he spends the entire Gospel proving to you through the Old Testament and Scripture that Jesus is that Messiah. Not just in prophecy, but word and deed, too, but just to continue to see that and to continue to be part of that, if you will, these eyewitnesses. And then ministers of the word, really minister is a servant. And, you know, the word is logos, logic, reason. Um, really, I feel like, you know, the word, that would, it would do us well to go to the Gospel of John because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, you know, and, <clears throat> and so that would make the most sense. But again, ministers of the word telling the good news of what Jesus has done. And that's not anything different what Luke's doing here as to what our calling as the church today is too, to tell people about the glory of Jesus, how he's affected and how he's changed our lives in, in everything. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're all eyewitnesses of this and delivered them. It seemed good to me also um, to write an orderly account and him to write that orderly account again. Remember, Luke was with Paul on the missionary journey, uh, you know, to reach the Gentiles, to go and start and be on a bunch of different, um, you know, church plants, if you will, and to start all those. And, and because he was part of that, it, it made sense for him to do this. So really, I, I think ultimately it made sense for him to do this. Sure, there's, there's probably some tangible reasons, but I think also uh, to, to have it be put on your heart especially after Jesus, you know, Jesus was gone in 33 AD. So this was written probably the early 60s AD. So he would have the Holy Spirit to to know and to, to want to do this because it's the right thing to do based on what an impact he had made, you know, in, in, in ministry in itself. So eyewitnesses of the word, consider us that way and consider it certainty of the truth. Like, all those gentlemen, again, that I've had uh, come to preach and come to tell you about how the Word has impacted them, how Jesus has impacted them, even myself, um, the eyewitness and the testimony of that individual rises and falls based on the character of that, that person or the individual. And so when I tell people that Jesus is real, and I'm like, look, Jesus is real. Like, I'm not messing around. I, I have nothing to gain from you but I know for a fact that Jesus is real and it's, and it's on my heart and on my mind and, and every part of it that you would either believe me or at least think about it more based on my witness and based on the character but if I stood on a street corner and said turn and burn because Jesus is real and this is gonna happen and that's gonna happen and all these things you'd probably be like oh man he's just kind of crazy but the more you get to know someone and the more you have these relationships, especially as the church, that we can have more and more of these testimonies, more and more of these eyewitnesses of the gospel, more and more confidence, more and more certainty of Jesus being at work in our lives and that the gospel has taken hold and root in who we are. So eyewitnesses of the word, again, that's kind of our calling too. And this is all part of the undertaking for the truth and the certainty of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the, the final point here, just verse four, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been caught. Um, I just really kind of want to recap what I've just talked about because I talked about a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. I, I do that a lot. I get bleh, all over about Jesus because there's so much and it's so good and it doesn't always come out effectively, but I, I hope you know that it, that it is, again, the best thing ever and, and the way and, you know, 
Uh, even though I was talking about all those guys giving testimonies, I was kind of bummed out there a little bit in about the third, fourth week because I'm like, I kind of miss preaching. This isn't so much fun. Like, oh, I should preach right now because it's in me to want to do that and in, in, in us. And so the certainty of the gospel. First, like there's tons of points here. I just want to recap. But number one, he followed the story. He investigated uh, these things that have been accomplished among us and from the beginning. And it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely from the past. Look, Luke, Luke did his due diligence. He did his word. He, he did what he said he was going to do, that he followed the story. And he asked around to find those people who were apostles and eyewitnesses of what Jesus had done, his life, you know, or his pre-birth, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, all of those things were investigated and talked about and, and made sure in the certainty of the gospel. And then number two, he went back to the beginning. Again, certainty. Before Jesus was even born. Like, how amazing. You know, this is the only gospel that, that has done that. And he was thorough about it. And he studied everything about it. He investigated it. And it's certainly certainty. I keep saying certainly instead of certainty sometimes. So, But he worked carefully, ultimately, to develop this orderly account. Now, this might not be chronologically perfect, but again, remember how he's writing this, that this is thematically perfect according to Luke's style, uh, whether or not he was a Greek or, you know, another nationality of when he started. This was the style of the times, and he thematically put together so much um, of his teaching rather than making it chronological or dictating. But again, because the gospel is narrative history, what he's ultimately giving us is just an authentic portrait of the life of Jesus. And that's awesome right like that's that's what we want that's why i always encourage people that have never read the bible start in the gospels just start you need to just just be like what's going on here who's this person you know who's why does this make sense there's so much that happens here this is where you start you start reading the four gospels and then you can kind of compare and contrast how these four different authors have all come up with a single unified story, albeit different, but again, well, I mean, you can talk about the Bible being an entire unified story of redemption, but the Gospels in themselves, the life and, 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 and times of Jesus Christ, ultimately. And so being a narrative history of that and having that authentic portrait of the life of Jesus and to follow the story, to investigate it, and all that was seen... Think about Theophilus in this. Again, this is where I was talking to you about coming back and the certainty of the gospel and, and how he worked carefully to develop this orderly account. So who is this Theophilus? Like we've talked about it meaning lover of God so that it can naturally fit in. But what's his background? Why, why ultimately is Luke writing to him? Is this some kind of new... You know, is he part of the new church? Is he? It's, it's a weird walk, right? It, being a new believer, it's totally, totally weird. Like, what am I doing? And especially when you come into a church building, like, okay, they're reading things. Okay, now they're singing a song that's kind of weird. Okay, now they're praying. Uh, what, what are we doing here? What's going on? It's, it's a weird walk being a new believer. But we don't know Theophilus's background. We're under the assumption that. He was a member of the church. Obviously, Luke knew him to some degree, but we don't know, you know, his background of any kind. We can see that most excellent Theophilus isn't just, you know, a, a coined phrase from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's 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 a sign of dignity and respect for those who were uh, in higher standing, perhaps in a court or something like that. Um, or maybe a government official, most excellent Theophilus. Um, and, and so knowing that he's, he's someone prominent, 
but we don't know anything else about his background. He's not really mentioned anywhere else. He's mentioned in the book of Acts again, because Luke's writing the, the second book to him. But again, it's that, it's that weird walk, and it's that new believer sense, if you will, because the gospel, Jesus, changes lives ultimately, and it creates a different shift in our worldview. Um, you know, it's it's uncertainty like what i was just talking about when we go to church and you're that new believer and you're like why am i here this is weird it's creepy should i raise my hand should i not raise my hand should i close my eyes not close my eyes should i raise both hands should i sit down should i stand up you know it's 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 awkward right there's uncertainty in it but we as christians today need to be reassured that the change in life in christ is for the best and that Ultimately, I wish I could kill people's self-conscious fears and be like, it's okay to be you. It's really just okay to be you. You don't have to be something that you're not. When we're in church together, it's not a performance. It's authentic worship of Jesus Christ. Just like the gospel being authentic narrative history of an authentic portrait of what the life of Jesus Christ looks like. And so I wish I could reassure everybody. I wish I could calm down, just put my hands on your shoulder and be like, man, it's okay. If you want to raise your hands when, when you worship, raise your hands. If you want to dance, go ahead. Do a little dance. It's okay. It's, this is between you and God, and we accept one another because God has accepted us ultimately in his kingdom. And so that's the certainty of the gospel that really feels like it needs to be hid in this because it's important for you to know that, that you belong and that God takes people who are outside of his knowledge and makes them insiders of his knowledge, fully knowing the creator of the universe. He creates a community of what we would call the unwanteds, if you will. It's not a social club but it is the community of believers who have faith in jesus and that's the church and that is who ultimately i believe you know he's writing to in this both believers non-believers new believers old believers lovers of god like again theophilus how cool is that that you can translate it i'm sure theophilus was a real person but I like looking at the, 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 the bigger picture and the reality of the, the Theophilus means lover of God. And so most excellent lover of God that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. There's a ton of teaching out there, but you can have certainty of the things that you have been taught. Because I have followed the story. I've investigated. I went back to the beginning before Jesus was even born. I was thorough having studied everything. I worked carefully with others to develop this orderly account. I've wanted to give you an authentic portrait of the life of Christ. And then Luke tells us of God's acts through Jesus. This main character is not made up. What king would be born in a manger? What hero would be rejected by his own people? Who would make up a savior that makes us morally responsible for our sin, but then offers payment for it too, and, and not just by the blink of a hat or wink of an eye, but by death on a cross? This isn't made up. This is not made up. This is the certainty of Luke's trials and tribulations and his ministry and his work to be like you need certainty of the good news and this is part of that undertaking and that we can trust the gospel as we read it because of luke being a historian here the oral and the written traditions of the first century and everything else that I've said and have come across and all I want brothers and sisters is that this certainty of the gospel is for you and the reality uh, to live this reality because ultimately it is the truth for life like I don't do this every week for my good health 
In fact, my wife would tell you something completely different because Sunday mornings can be a struggle sometimes. This isn't for my health. This isn't for my well-being. This isn't because I'm going to make a million gazillion fulfillion dollars. No, this has nothing to do with that. This has entirely to do not just the Gospel of Luke, but Eric Gross in front of you because Jesus is real. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We are eyewitnesses of his word, and I just want you to be certain that there are people out there, true Christians, true church members, because again, there, there's so much confusion, so much division, so much division in the world, but there are these real and true church members of God that know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and they walk in that truth on a day-to-day -day basis. And I want you to be encouraged in these uncertain times that what I'm telling you is certain. Amen? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. I just thank you for the work that you've done in my life and the life of your church and the life of all those who are around you and have been called to be part of your kingdom. So, Lord, we just want confidence in these days. So much is uncertain, but, Lord, we know your gospel is certain. This is real. This is, Jesus is a historical character. This isn't made up. This isn't something that's nice to have. This is the meaning for life. So, Lord, continue to work within us. Continue to bolster us with the strength and the confidence to walk encouraged by your truth, by your promises of who you are, what you've done for us. You do it for your glory, Lord, and for our good. And the fact, again, that you call us to a life with you is just something that is impossible to really comprehend for the outsider. So, Lord, continue to use us well. Continue to allow us to share our testimonies. Continue to allow us to love other people unselfishly, not expecting anything back, but just because of who you are and how you loved us that we need to see and to love other people. And so, Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name for now and forever. Amen. Whew. All right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I love you guys. Uh, let's get together sometime. Let's talk. Let's call me. Call me. Be cool. All right. <laughs> Have a great Sunday afternoon, and I shall see you all next time, whenever that may be. Peace.